Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're gonna deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand, make your mark, and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelson. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I'm really excited to have Bart Rupert on the line with me. He is the founder of the Spartans Alliance, who helps entrepreneurs buy and sell companies for a living. What's really interesting about buying and selling companies is that you need to be an ace at negotiation. So what we're going to talk about today is how you can use asymmetric negotiations to get 20 to 40% more upside for you on the deals that you negotiate. And Bart's going to tell us all about that. So Bart, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you being here. Tell me a little bit about the Spartan Alliance. What makes you guys amazing and different in your space? Yeah. So what we do is we help entrepreneurs buy and sell companies for a living. It's a lot like flipping real estate in the sense you want to go find companies for sale and then turn around and, and sell those and capture the upside. And with that, one of the little known facts is that Morgan Stanley tells us 88% of all new wealth is created through buying and selling small companies or real estate. That's how I do it. So the question really comes down to if that's where 88% of the new wealth comes from, how do we take advantage of that? How do we actually get involved with it? So what we excel at is helping entrepreneurs realize that dream not academically, but practically, experientially working side by side with them. So how is this different than buying and selling houses, right? Because if I was to buy another business, wouldn't that make me be the owner of the business, right? But then I got to learn about that business, how to be great at that business, how to how to avoid the pitfalls of the previous owners who may be trying to sell, maybe they're aging out or they're not competitive anymore, or the pieces are worth more than the whole how do you evaluate something like that in order to figure out whether a business really is worth buying? Yeah, that's a great question. So you definitely want to make sure you're not getting trapped into, if you use the real estate analogy, the money pit with Tom Hanks, right? To where it's this incredible investment that you can't get anything back from. But the beauty about businesses, as opposed to real estate, is that the upside is almost unlimited. You can't really take a property and then within a period of a year or two, make that worth five times more. I mean, in certain markets, maybe you can get close to that, but for the most part, you just have to wait for it to appreciate. With businesses, you can, but you don't always want to take that on yourself or be the person who's directly in charge of it. Uh, there are people we work with that say, yeah, I'd like to go off and acquire a portfolio of businesses or acquire, say, one business and be the person that operates it, be the person that runs it. And that's fine. That's a totally viable way to live your life and to grow your, your success. But that's just buying your that's just buying yourself a job, right? It could be, but that's what people want. Some folks want that. So we just help realize dreams. A lot of folks that we work with though buy a portfolio, as you said. 
in which case we help them identify somebody that can come in and run that portfolio. And we help them establish the metrics, the processes, the techniques, and the setup so that they can monitor that and continue to grow it. All right, cool. Let's talk about your one big tip then in regards to negotiation, because negotiation is it's everything in these types of deals. It, you know, there are usually when you buy and sell a business, especially for someone that's selling a business, you know, a lot of emotions are involved. You need to be able to play it cool. You need to make sure that you're not giving away too much. And also when you're buying, you know, you're trying to protect your own interests as well. What is asymmetric negotiation and how do you use that to increase your upside for the deals that you manage? Yeah, it's a great question. So we use asymmetric negotiation exclusively in our negotiations when we're buying and selling companies. We find it's applicable to literally anything, whether it's a conversation over like buying something that's that's being negotiated in the flea market or even a conversation with a spouse. What makes that different is that you approach the problem space from a different angle. If you think about traditional negotiation, it's more of a standpoint where I'm going to hit a problem space head on asymmetric negotiation where you come at it from the side to be able to achieve a better outcome. And people often ask, okay, well, how do you do that? And the way you do it, it, there's the standard stuff you hear from a lot of people, make sure to stay in rapport with the individual, make sure you're working with them and understanding what their pain is, et cetera. But really with asymmetric negotiation, what we find it's about the quality and types of questions you ask. And so we'll go through that in a good bit of detail so that everybody's got something tangible they can walk away from today. Most folks, when they go into a negotiation, the very traditional way to do it is they ask what I would call a what question. So if, Jeff, you were going forward and we were negotiating, say, the sale of your business and I wanted to buy your business, I might ask you something like, well, Jeff, what type of price do you want? Or what price point do you need to sell me the business? Or what are some of the terms that you need? And that's important to ask because I need to understand that. But those are direct questions, no? Exactly. And it's a very inelegant way to get to the answer. Because if I go at you with a what question, I'm engaging really the left brain and only the left brain, which is a very analytical, scientific part of you as an individual who's got a lot more to you than just analytical data. Plus, most business sales for people primarily on the buying side they tend to look at just the financials and the fundamentals of business, where there's actually a lot more to it than that. But that's where most people focus. And so from the seller perspective, people tend to get very defensive about financials. They tend to shut down and it tends to isolate the conversation to a pretty limited or narrow field. There's a better way to ask those questions to go about that asymmetrically. So instead of asking a what question, I would start with engaging you around why questions. And then I would seek to understand at a deeper level why that's important to you or why the answers matter to you. So for example, instead of coming right at you and saying, hey, Jeff, what do you want to sell your business for? I might start with not even the price. I want to get you more comfortable with things by saying, Jeff, why do you want to sell your business? Now, think about as the listener how that feels from the the standpoint of those two questions. What do you want to sell it for versus why do you want to sell your business? And what you'll find, you'll even feel it, is that when I ask the why question, I'm engaging the right side of your brain. I'm engaging the creative side. And obviously there is a lot of analytic too, but I've basically given you permission within your own mind to open up the playing field to literally infinite possibilities for an answer. Whereas if I say, what do you want to sell your business for? There's really only one answer. 
And it's a challenging answer because you got to say, well, am I going to come in with a price? Am I too high? Am I too low? What does that look like? What does that do for negotiation? And it really stifles that dialogue and conversation. If I ask why, I could get any number of things. I'm not going to get something that's just a price. I'm going to get something that's probably emotionally driven. So for example, you may say to me, I need to achieve a certain financial outcome so that I can you know, basically do something in my life. And I may ask, well, great. I mean, what, what are you looking to do then? And, and that's a what question off of a why question, which gets more granular off of the field of creativity. And we also actively practice the Toyota model. Uh, Toyota, many years ago, invented this philosophy of asking the five whys. And it was a, a technique that, you know, they've, they've done a great job with. They've built a very successful company and they really attribute a lot of their success to this. So, for example, with five whys, the concept there is that you have to ask a why question about five times to get the truth or really down at the, the bottom of it. So they may start off if somebody's going to design a car and say, all right, well, you put a clock in the center of the dash. Why did you put it there? And the person may say, well, we just thought aesthetically that it might work out. Okay, well, why is the aesthetic of it important? Well, because we find that people actually buy cars based on, you know, the aesthetics of the car and where the clock is. And that's an important thing people reference. Okay, well, why would you actually go and locate it right there as opposed to right here? And you, you ask these questions a series of time. And what you find out is incredibly detailed. You find out why they put it there because of the amount of wiring they had to run in the car and where that was located in terms of the heat stamp, you know, of different parts of it. So the clock doesn't read all these bizarre reasons that are engineering and practical and marketing aesthetics, et cetera. And you pull it all together. We want to do the same thing with a business owner. We want to find out why it's important they sell their business. And when you ask that first why question, you might even find they're a little bit taken aback, but in a good way to say, well, gee, I hadn't really thought of that. I guess the reason I'd like to sell my business is I'd like to retire. Well, why is it important you retire? Well, I mean, ultimately I can't work forever, right? I'm getting to an age where it makes sense to start looking at the sale of the business. Well, why start looking at it now? And you, you start digging in and you, you begin to find out that these individuals, which are multifaceted, have a lot going on beneath the surface. And, and people typically come back when you get to like four or five wise deep, something that says, I need a certain figure to be able to retire. I can't really be comfortable with less than that figure. I'm looking to do that because I want to go retire on a lake house and I need to be able to pay that off. And I'd like to spend more time with a granddaughter. And so now at the end of that questioning, I've got something that the person really emotionally cares about. I know that they want to spend time with their granddaughter, that they want to retire at the lake house, and that ultimately there's this, this element of me being able to get that for them that allows us to be on the same page. And instead of us being competitors across from each other negotiating on price and not really caring why that price is important to one person or the other, because as a buyer, I just want a lower price. I really now understand, okay, you're in a situation where you need this amount to be able to achieve these dreams. If you don't get that amount, you're not going to be able to achieve those dreams. Now I can start pulling myself over to look at the problem space through your eyes and from the same side of the table, if you will, so we can solve it together. And when you do that, not only do you get a better price in the end for yourself, 
you also have them feeling much better about the negotiation. And we can take the amount of time taken to negotiate a deal and compress it down radically. Whereas most purchases or sales of companies take like nine months, you can actually get those types of same transactions done in a matter of weeks or even just a couple months. So it's interesting that you say that. I'm just curious about what happens if you get someone who's on the seller side, whose expectations are, let's just say, not wholly unreasonable, but somewhat unreasonable, right? Like they want like two times more than what the business is actually worth. Using that line of questioning, you know, they have this illusion in their heads that I need, I don't know, $2 million in order to pay off my lake house and pay off my house and pay for my granddaughter's college, right? And, you know, whether they do actually need that money, whether that actually is the price is kind of irrelevant. But what happens though, when you find that you're asking these why questions, you get to the bottom of the why part, and then you're you're still, you know, there's still a huge gap in between what you want to pay and what they're willing to sell for. How do you then take action on that part and move that part of the negotiation forward? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. And I'll tell you, it happens almost every time. Every entrepreneur that's going to sell a business that you typically encounter, it's the first time they've ever sold a business. So they've got this artificially inflated amount in their mind that may be much higher than what the market will bear. And you need to know what the market will bear to to be able to buy and sell a company. We use a product called Valuation X to determine that in like 10 or 15 minutes. So we pretty much know what the business is worth coming in. But to your question very directly, you ask a series of why questions and you you wind up in a spot to where you see that their price point's unrealistic. And let's say the business is probably worth $2 million and the business value they've got in their mind is $5 million. And the way you would do that is through a two-approach mechanism. The first of which is ask a why question around the price, and then you pivot to a how question. And I'll, I'll walk you through a, a demonstration of it so we can see what it looks like in real, real world. So I, I then run across that, and somebody says, yeah, you know, in order to retire, I'm going to need like $5 million to be able to do that. And I might ask, okay, well, I understand your goals on the personal retirement but why do you think $5 million is the appropriate figure for the business? Now, I'm still asking a why question, but I'm doing it specifically around the price. And it's very different than asking a what question around it because I'm engaging that right brain to be able to- Like, what are you, crazy? (laughs) Yeah, don't say that. (laughs) That that breaks the report right away. Uh, But if- Exactly, just like what I know. Yeah, unless you're like in Boston and then like, yeah, we expected that. Uh, But if if you ask the why question that way, they're going to turn around and then say, well, I think it's worth that because I've put a lot of time and energy into it. I've spent 20 years in the business, whatever the answer is, which really doesn't matter in the market. And then I might ask, okay, well, if I were to go out there and buy anything else, right? A product off Amazon or whatever, do you think the amount of time somebody put into that product is really what makes that product valuable? And they would have to admit, no, it isn't. It's whatever the competition's selling for. And I'm like, yeah. And then I would transition to my how question after I've anchored them on a common understanding. And my how question would be, Jeff, how do you expect me to pay $5 million for the business when everybody else is selling comparable businesses for only two, maybe less? Now, if you sit with that for a second, the power behind that is that I've not accused you of being crazy. I've not come after you. I'm not trying to beat you down on price. I'm asking you to help me solve the problem. 
And I'm asking in a way that's pretty concrete. I'm saying, how can I solve that problem when every other business is only worth two million? And, and you've got to come back with an answer of some kind. And sometimes, and we we see this every day because we have these types of discussions literally every day. And sometimes people will even laugh out loud because they'll they'll kind of realize, like, gee, that is kind of ridiculous if that's where they're they're at. And if you've teed it up to where you've gotten them on the same page as you, they may ask questions like, well, how do you know they're worth only $2 million or what are other businesses worth? But they'll start to seek information rather than to come back and clobber you over the head with, I don't agree with you or I think you're a liar. They're now looking at it from the same side of the table that you're on as well, and you're working the problem together. And they may come back and say, well, those other businesses don't have X or don't have Y. That's an opportunity where you get to educate the person to come back and say, there are other products out there, other businesses that are listed for 2 million that have the same or similar types of things that you guys do. Now, maybe that gives you a little bit more value out of it, but statistics will show that's only going to be like 10% more. So maybe your business is worth 2.2, maybe a little bit more than that. But I don't think at the current level it could get to five unless you were willing to take your profit and get it to these higher levels. And then I, I might ask, what would it take to be able to get your profit to that level? Now, that's a what question, but it's engaged in a creative way. The reason I would ask that is because asymmetrically, I want them to think about it through my lens and, and think, okay, well, if that's the only way to get it worth $5 million, is it better for me to sell right now and get the two? Or is it better for me to try and grow this thing for the next like five years of my life to get it up to the five million? Because he just told me how to do it. And that's going to be something that's very, it's going to reveal a lot to you as the negotiator, because if they're in a spot where like, no, I'd rather just grow this thing forever, then you know that deal's not going to work out. And you figured that out in a space of 45 minutes rather than wasting six weeks of negotiation. And you can move on to the next opportunity. If they turn around and say, well, gee, I really don't see it as an option to spend the next five years of my life trying to beat my head against the wall and grow this thing. If the business is worth two, 2.2, maybe that's something I can get comfortable with. And they'll engage you with other questions to ask, like, how do I do this? What does that look like if I were to sell? Basically, what you've done is that you've helped them see the light as a rational human being as opposed to being irrational. And also, you've really looked for a win-win, which is you know always important. You don't always want to come in as a, an adversarial negotiating position and try to you know like you said to you know to beat them down on price. So that's actually really great actionable advice you know on how to negotiate. That's uh, that's really great, Bart. Thank you very much for that. Can you please let everyone know how they can find out more about the Spartans Alliance? and how they can reach out to you directly if they'd like to learn more. Absolutely. You can learn more about these techniques and strategies through some of the content we've got available through our website at www.spartansalliance.com. That's spartansalliance with an S.com. And once you hit that, you'll get access to links to our social media, video content, YouTube content, where we talk about these techniques and we actually show you real examples through what we call our deal room discussions. We're practically doing this stuff every single day in the real world, uh, which is what makes us good at it. You can also, if you'd like some information or have questions, shoot an email to one of my colleagues at austin at spartansalliance.com. 
Amazing. Thank you so much for that, Bart. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. I appreciate you sharing your one big tip and wish you guys the best of success going forward. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me.